Good morning. Uh, so check your emails the next few weeks. Next Sunday there will not be a shear. And we'll see after that. I have a simcha after that, uh, probably two weeks later. So we'll see about the week in between. So please uh, check your emails. We're going to begin again, Perek Dalid. We're now going to actually see the Psukim and start explaining the Sugya. As I mentioned, Shoftim in general is very, very involved in terms of just figuring out a simple mahalach with the various gemaras and the kashas and the terutzim of what exactly is going on al pidin. So the varia we already mentioned is a chiddush harasha. However, you figure out why she was able to don various terutzim and tesis, they were makabel her. They came to her, which will be suggested in the Psukim, Marumas in the Psukim. It was a Harasha, which will be Marumas in the Psukim as well. We'll see the Diukim of the Arachaner and other Acharinim. And the general question of who is leading Klaisal besides the Vera. We have two other, well, one's a Tzaddik, one's a Tzaddikis. Her husband, according to Moshita's Barak. And interestingly enough, Yol who's not only the one who's going to finish off Sisera, talk about complicated and fascinating that we have such, not only a possibility, but it happened. And the question is, what exactly happened? Uh, what were the terim? What was the need? But without further ado, let's see the Pasuk again. In Aleph, Ve'asifu B'nei Yisrael, Lasa Sarab, E'ne Hashem, Ve'ehud Meis, Ehud was a shayfet for the Tkufa that ended after 80 years, including the original Shibud, with Shamgar at the very end. And then there was some slippage, as we'll use the word because that means a slow decline after many years of doing well, and it wasn't all of Klai Yisrael, but it was enough to create the problem of the Shibud, which is going to wake them up. I think we mentioned last week, he was named after the original Yavin Melakanan, who was destroyed by Yeshua ben Nun himself. And he had regrouped and taken many of the remnants of the other Umas, and now built an area of fortresses and city-states and uh, the Lushan over here, Chareshes Goyim, Chareshes as in the modern application of a factory of where he's producing, uh, well, he's doing a lot of construction, a lot of weapons, and a very concentrated place where all the Umas Elam uh, inside Eitz Yisrael, outside of Eitz Yisrael, whoever didn't like Yidin, which was everybody else, would be able to come and feel they can now regroup and strike back. So, we are introduced to Yavin Melchanan, don't know too much about him. Uh, the main focus will be his Sartsva Sisra. A bit unusual. Usually when the Sartsva gets so powerful, he ends up taking over and getting rid of the king. Maybe that would have happened. He's young, he's 30 years old, and he's going to be uh, in the fast track for a very shortened career because he's not going to survive at the end of the peric. Uh, would he have taken over? Probably, because what we know about him is that he, Chazal described him that he took over the world. Sounds like he's the emperor. So Yovin wasn't a good guy either, and he was uh, the great organizer. 
and he had the yichus. Remember, kingship went by yichus, so Sisera wasn't from the royal line. So uh, the person in name who's running everything is Yavin. The person in deed who's running everything is Sisera. Yes. Who's that? Yes. So we, we mentioned my, my... Right. So my guess was, and still is, my educated guess, is that Pinchas Dafka didn't become a Shefit, not before, not now, and not later, because he's a Kayin, and a Kayin is not supposed to... So he has the Urmatumim to ask him, but he doesn't want to take Malchus and Kuna, which is uh, correct in terms of, uh, yeah, everybody asked here about Eli Akain. Eli Akain was the transition, and uh, it's the last Shefet, and he was, when we get to Eli, we'll, we'll explain. Uh, remind me to get to Eli again. We got to Eli 19 years ago, but we, it's an appropriate ending to uh, Shefetim when we get there, yes. So, yeah, so he was, the Mepharshim discussed, because the original one with that name was killed, but you have a lot of people like Pyro and... You know, Ademelech, people like that. The name was sort of uh, reused and resurfaced. So, but he was, yeah, he was the royal line of Canaan, and he's the one who's now proclaiming a new kingdom to continue the old kingdom and to regain what they lost eventually, which Baruch Hashem is not going to happen, but he has plans. So that's this, um, he's a formidable threat here because not only is Sisera taking over the world, but he represents millions of people. The way the Medrash describes his army, hundreds of thousands, the generals, and each one had a battalion under him. It's a huge amount of people, which means, basically, it's a world where everybody's getting involved, and this is their chance. This might sound familiar, some of this, but this is their chance to take back Eretz Yisrael from the Yidden, and uh, everybody seems to be pretty unanimous, and that's why they're building this big matzav called Haresh Sagayim to be their launching pad. Pretty scary, uh, because when you read Navi, the godless is, besides all the halachas and nashkafas, that oh, some of it sounds more than vaguely familiar. Uh, yes? They don't have to be. Yeah, we, we even try to studiously avoid whether, comment whether they are or aren't, because it's, uh, well, <laughs> I don't know if it's Nagea. I, I don't have any raya. They were, they weren't. Uh, the Mitzrayim were. Or weren't it? I don't think it makes a difference. If you're if you're alluding to what we discussed when you weren't here, uh, when the cameras weren't going, so um, <laughs> uh, with the uh, the Nayach and what happened to Tevo with Kush, yeah, so that's uh, you'll ask ask him. We don't even we don't want to mention any uh, names over here, but he'll give you a quick Hazara. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that it was worse than correct. Correct. Sounds like not as pronounced, let's put it that way, yeah. But I don't think it's an Afghamina. Uh, there, there might be some Afghaminas, but not Nagata right now. Yeah. When was Chazor? Was that in? Yeah, it's in Eitz No, it's in Eitz uh, That's part of the problem, yeah. It's, it's in Eitz They have allies joining them from outside Eitz as well. But this is very much in Eitz in their face. They had a stranglehold already. You know, it, it's, we tried to describe a little bit based on the Marmachemis. Some of these places are very well known. Some of the mountains we're going to meet are very well known. We know exactly where that one. And Achakishan is sort of it's a bit of a machlek, because we'll get to that. What's interesting is the fact that the amount of people coming, also it's they're just 
it was a shortness of space, just in a battlefield, based on who's coming. But this uh, city is being built up in Eretz Yisrael. And when they had a stranglehold, when I described that, they didn't have the same hold on all of the Shvatim. Wherever they were, this is in the north, it was worse over there, but the rest of Eretz Yisrael, the other Shvatim, felt it. The reason I'm mentioning that now is because there are going to be two Shvatim that are selected to fight this battle, there are going to be other shvatim that come to help, which is good, very nice, and achtus. They weren't mechuyiv to come, they're not even called. And then there are some who should have come, even though they weren't called, and going to be given quite a Musa Shemuz by Devera, and she was Devera. She was Devera where used to, because Lafteru and every... Goes, goes together with Azizia, a lot of similarities that we'll see. Uh, there's a lot of um, Musa and... You get a good overview of how the shayfet would work in terms of being a mini malchus, in terms of demanding that things get done. And it was difficult because a melech like David was melech over everybody officially. And when he had to raise an army, he did. And if he didn't come and you said something that was wrong, you were married by malchus. And it was clear. Under the shayfet, it was supposed to be clear, but it wasn't as clear because the shayfet wasn't looking to be king and he wasn't king before. And here we have a shofetess. So you can understand why some people didn't come. Well, the first answer is they weren't called. But why isn't that an excuse? The answer is for some of them, yes. But once you see that many are volunteering, so the question is, where is everybody else? And that's going to be a discussion in terms of achrayis, in terms of the klal and the prat. If you're not officially called, what's your level of involvement? So that's going to be an important akuda. Let's go back to the pasuk. Again, That was the tank of its time. He had 900 of them. Klaisol had none. So it's 900 to zero. If a Kosh Baruch who's fighting your battle, it could be 900,000 to zero, as we'll see. But it's still pretty daunting. And this activity that he was building and building and harassing and terrorizing, is a long time. Does that mean every single Makamanates Israel felt it the same as I mentioned? No. But it's growing and growing and growing and it's not going in a good direction and they were suffering. Rashi puts in besides the military action, Rashi says, This was not a secular war. This is not a secular dispute. This is not only about land and natural resources. This was primarily a mochama against HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Amanivcher representing HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's what it is always. In modern times, it's not pronounced because as pronounced, uh, I'll get to in a minute an example where it wasn't as pronounced, but that's what's going on. Whether they realize it, they admit it, deep down, that's what's going on. Otherwise, Haladavrahu, there are other minorities. It doesn't have to be, so you'll say, there are books written from a secular standpoint. So they're going to get it wrong without the Chazals. But they're trying to figure out, what's this fascination and uh, focus on the Jews? That's the 2,000-year-old question. <laughs> We've discussed a little bit on Tisha B'Av. Like, why it doesn't make sense? Pick on somebody else already. So it's coming from Esau, Sanias, Yaakov, and it's coming from Canaan, who were the people doing the most of what is in the wrong place. 
other people doing plenty of Avodah but they were doing it in a Mokham Kaddusha, and they didn't like being asked to leave. And it was a Mokhama against uh, the invaders, but they weren't invaders. They were taking back what was stolen from them, as we never fail to mention, because it's important to realize. And it's a Mokhama against Hashem. Uh, somebody just yesterday, what? Gidufim is a blasphemy. How's that for a fancy English word? Now, you can ask me how to touch blasphemy, but... Uh, <laughs> It's a good touch of blasphemy, Gidufim. Uh, we'll let uh, Yaakov give you another synonym. Uh, but, uh, synonym for bla- blasphemy is the word. Uh, they're coming to be Makalo Hashem, Rahmal Islam. We usually say Mavarach Hashem. It's a Macham against Hashem. Now, you ask, what's a, what's a good example? So, we were just discussing this, not coincidentally, after davening yesterday with you and your brother in law. Um, was it you or was the fellow, was it you after you, maybe all of you were standing there, was the fight against the Jews in World War II and the Holocaust, was that religious in nature or not? And the Nafkamina, big Nafkamina, was that considered Shas Hashmad? The reason we were discussing it is we were discussing the issue that we spoke about during the drusha of the fact that you're allowed to, you're allowed to wear clothing that's not Jewish in nature, as long as you don't say you're an Akum. That was the Medrash in the discussion. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't say he was a Yid on his Madrega. That was a Tain as opposed to Yasef. It's complicated because uh, I've been all throughout Shabbos, including after Shal Shittis. So people were asking, but Yasef was not. No, it's a good question to think about, just on Chumash. Yasef uh, said he was an Ivory right away, and the uh, Ashes Potiphar was complaining about this Ivory you brought and all the charges and accusations. So he, the Medrash says he was very proud, and he said he was Jewish, and he didn't hide it. When the Shifte came down to Mitzrayim to get food, but primarily to look for him, they had no clue. And the Pasuk keeps reiterating, they had no clue. And they're looking at him, Yatza, Baluch, Asim, Zakan, and they didn't recognize him, and he recognized them, and they had no clue. Why didn't the whole society and the whole world know that the viceroy that came to power was in Ivory? Because he kept telling everybody he was in Ivory. So... The answer is, at this point, he didn't advertise it. I understand the ministers didn't want to advertise because they were furious. They were embarrassed. No, no Twitter. So what? But this is the most sensational story, even without the hat tabloids. They wrote them in Egyptian hieroglyphics. They like, had to pound into the stone, but they had tabloids. <sighs> it's old news from 12 years ago. He was thrown into jail, but he was made viceroy. Okay, so you say, how long can tabloids run a story? I, I would think there wasn't much to talk about in ancient society. It was the same Avodazar every morning, or maybe it was a different Avodazar every morning, but it was pretty boring. Anyone get involved, you're too nice. I, I, think, I think the only possible terrorist is, it's old news is one thing. I think the ministers, we know this from Adrushim, were furious and embarrassed. They said, and Evan, he said, all of a sudden where he becomes the first minister next to the king, viceroy over us, we've been here, we have seniority. They were embarrassed to talk about it. They were furious and they said, let's play down the fact that he's Jewish. That's really a bizarre. I mean, once he's Mishlamel, when he became Mishlamel, they were, the Medrash says they were, they were complaining. There was a lot of grumbling. Maybe the grumbling was short-lived. You must, be, you must have grown up in a country that sounds very mean and totalitarian. <laughs> it's so different. <laughs> it's like, we're American. Like, why did they speak up? There's no kasha. <laughs> it's good you're here for many reasons, but, uh, but we need that perspective. That's, that's very good. You're saying the tabloids weren't running. Is that what you're accusing of lack of free speech in media? It's one newspaper. Yeah. 
<laughs> and that's a, no editorials. No opinions. Uh, <laughs> okay, that's, that's an interesting answer. What? <laughs> okay, okay, we'll, we'll take that. Uh, I understand that. We need uh, the Americans here to be put in their place once in a while. Um, uh, See, so you're saying they didn't talk about it because once, so that's what Elliot was suggesting. Even, Med just says at the beginning there was grumbling. You're saying the grumbling lasted four seconds. Once Pyra said, that's it, here's the ring, uh, there's nothing to discuss. Yeah, but that's the kasha. We're talking about the medrash, the chile between Moshe Rabbeinu and Yisrael. He didn't. Nobody had to say anything. Moshe Rabbeinu was in Sakana. He came as a fugitive of the law. He was in every post office. Of course, he didn't say he was Jewish. Yisrael was going to put him in jail. And guess what? The other kasha. We, I was here for an hour and a half after davening because I began saying his shver threw him in jail. A shver standing next to his Adam asked me that kasha. So I told the Adam, you should be careful because they had a good relationship afterwards. But he still put him in jail for ten years, which is a chiddush. Your Adam's over here. He never did that, right? Uh, <laughs> that's a chiddush. Threw him in jail. Why? Because he found out he was Jewish. He was a fugitive of the law. So it was a taina on Moshe Rabbeinu's level that you're still dressed like a Mitzri, even though it's mutra apidim b'shaz hashmad. And then somebody asked me, you can't change your shoelace. I can't, can't change your shoelace when he knows you're Jewish already. And he says, change your shoelace. That's the harvai avra b'shaz hashmad. It doesn't mean you're Jewish. You're dressed as an Egyptian prince. And he thinks you're an Egyptian prince. That's not your harvai avra. It was a taina Moshe Rabbeinu. But it wasn't taina Yesim. He kept saying, ani ivri. But he didn't say it later on. So your kasha, your terrorist answers the kasha why everybody else didn't say it. And your seven years of the tabloids found something else to talk about. It still doesn't answer why Yosef didn't advertise he was an Ivory. He got another name. So you have to come on to Tzaddik's terrorists also. That Yosef himself, when he got another name, he didn't talk back to Paro and say, no, no, I'd like to be called an Ivory also. He was given another name, and he was given another name, and that was it. So you have to, you have to say that. that. That was a chutzpah to say, I don't want to use your name. I want to be called, my middle name is Ivory. They stopped using it, but that wasn't a time. When he could, he said he was an every. You have to say that. But it's interesting. The Medrash is highlighting that every, he always took the opportunity to tell people he was Jewish. And when the Shifte car got down, nobody knew the Viceroy was Jewish, which is certainly a Chiddush. So the reason I'm mentioning you. Yeah. Could it be that he, they knew he was Jewish, but he wasn't dressed like a Jew anymore? He certainly wasn't. He had a fancy thing on with a whole, whole getup, yeah. And he said, you're Jewish? Okay, but that's the Midwest. He walked away and he said, I don't talk to Jews. Like, he was a real anti-Semite. He didn't know he was Jewish and he walked away. What a Jew looks like, he just knew he hates Jews. What state was that in? There's no Lush and Haran. Wyoming, okay, yeah. Wyoming, for all four people that live in that state. Uh, None of them ever met a Jew, okay. He said he was a Jew and they knew that the viceroy was a Ivory. And then all of a sudden, you know, years later, he's not dressed like that. These Jews came down. I understand, but why isn't he always advertising every day? You see, saying he did that for five years and it's old news. Okay. You have to say, okay. You have to say it was old news. You have to come on to that territory. But the point I'm getting to, this whole, this whole Chazara is the Nazis of Machshamon B'Zichram, the official final solution, what Hitler Machshamon was thinking, and he said this quite clearly in Mein Kampf and everything else, it was a secular anti Semitism. Rile of Dover is if you claimed you you converted to Christianity, you're not Jewish anymore, and you're not Shemitah Mitzvah, and it was your grandmother, it didn't make a difference. So that's not Shasa Shema. The Peskim discussed this. This is very, unfortunately, very not gay in the Holocaust. Because you want to get dressed up. So the Machabah says, even Shasa Shema, if they don't know you're Jewish in the first place, you can get dressed up. But let's say the locals know you're Jewish, but you're getting dressed up like a Galach, and they're going to let you get away with it. They were your friends, and they stayed your friends, which is rare. 
that's already a Shailah of Shailah was it but let's say just like the local peasant is that going to be change of shoelace that Yehovah wasn't a Shas Ashmad so the official Mahalach was that it was a secular anti-Semitism on the local level it very much wasn't the reason he got millions of Europeans to cooperate and do the job for him is because they had the anti-Semitism that the Ace of Sunday is Yaakov and they drank it from their youth and that's why it succeeded. So that's the Shaila. Do you go by what the official edict was, or do you go by what's happening on the ground? And that made a big nafkamina for whether there's a Shasim Shvat and the various nafkaminas. Over here, so I, I agree with you, throughout the Darius, they didn't know why, and it's still coming from Esau, Sanis, Yaakov, or Muhammad against Hashem, whether it be from Nebuchadnezzar, Melabovo, the Kananim, what? 100%, yeah. And that's where this is coming from. Rashi's pointing it out. Rashi's saying, you would think you won't need, we didn't need a Rashi, who lochatz ben Yisrael. Lochatz means pressure. Means he was strangling them economically and physically and had soldiers by the roads and they were getting attacked and that's, well, that was going on. But Rashi goes out of his way and said, this is coming from his hatred of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and therefore directed against his people. The Gedufim was, he wasn't stop attacking. He was doing the Gedufim. We have the same thing from Goliath. Goliath, you want to pick a fight and you want to challenge somebody, do a one-on-one, which is what he did. So you don't have to stand there for 40 days and have Chirufim, the Gedufim, Bismarck, Kriyashim, Marshall, Shachas, Farivis. Why is that necessary? The answer is, he wanted to show this is a Macham against the Kadosh Baruch Hu. So he's going to interrupt them. They shouldn't do mitzvahs. That's where all this was coming from. Yes, I saw it on my hand. There was only one family known as Jews, Avram Avery. Right, but I'm saying it just, it's, it's, it's more where he's from. And then, you know, because of the fact that he identified himself to the land, not necessarily as part of this. Uh, the land was essential, I agree with you. Uh, uh, yeah. It wasn't just that. It's based on the Medrash. Ivri is the whole world is on one side, and Avram is Aver, meaning the other side against them in Ruchnis. It didn't just mean the location. It means location also, and that tied him to the land, Damascus. Yeah. When Aishas Potifera said you brought this Ivri, she wasn't referring to the guy who lives in Bever Anar. No, no. She meant the Jew. She meant the Jew. It meant the Jew. Yeah, yeah. Meant, meant only the family of Avram. That's the context she meant it in. Yeah. Yeah. I understand, but the Ruchnius was. But that's why you need the Medrash. But it wasn't location, though. Ivri meant the whole world is on one side. He's fighting the whole world in Ruchnius. That's clearly what it meant. It also meant the location. And that's why in this Medrash it also means he had a tie to the land, which is why he got buried there. It also means that. But Bethsem, it's, uh, it's Ruchnius. Yeah, yeah. I understand. I understand. Uh, okay, but that's also a Ruchniistic. All this comes from this Rashi and the, the Gedufim Shabbai. That's what I'm pointing out. Let's continue. Pazik Dalal. Dvera Isha Nevi'a Eishas Lapidus. So they saw in the time of Eliyahu in our introduction. So Eishas Lapidus means many different things. It can mean the wife of somebody by the name of Lapidus. That wasn't his only name. His name was Barak. His name is Michal. And he made Lapidus for the Mishkan, for the Menorah, and it was at her suggestion, everybody agrees. She was the one that encouraged it, the different gearses, did she make it also, did she prepare it and he brought it, they prepared it together, not a big nafkamina, 
And the Nafkimi over here just had to touch the word. Aishas Lapidus, the wife of Lapidus, or Aishas Lapidus, the lady of Lapidus, meaning the lady who made the wicks, or both. You could touch it both ways. He shaved to Yisrael Beisahi and the Deek of the Achrain and Beisahi to the Pshat and Tesis. It was our Roshah that she was actually a Shafetis, even though normally she wouldn't be learning, teaching, and be a, being a Shafet. And it was done because it was needed, and they were Makabalit, as we'll see in the next Pusik as well. Rashi brings down from the Gemara, which we saw in the Tandavelio, Shaisa Isa Psilas Lamiktish, Rashi Taichis Pashapshat, Ashis Lapidus, the lady of Lapidus, meaning not the wife of Lapidus, which she also was according to many Mefarshim. Pasak hey, Vihi Yashevas Tachas Taimer Devairam. So speaking of locations, a lot of Marmachemis over here, unusually um, descriptive for a Pusik, which is what leads the Midrashim and even Rashi to tell us it's not talking about pinpointing locations for your GPS. Even though that's certainly a Pusha Pshat, it's telling you where she sat. But Ben Arama, Ben Pesel, Ephraim, a lot of Marmachemis for we're never given any information in Tanakh unless it's absolutely necessary. So we will see what Rashi tells us about that in a moment. But again, the Diak coined the Pshat and Taisis that Shitaka wasn't Koshal Dianis, but they accepted her. You can makabal a Pasaladayan if you feel confident they're going to give you advice. As an Avia, purpose of a Navi originally and ongoing, Klaisel. Marmagillah says, had millions in Avim. We know very few of them, the few that had a message. The diaries are written down. The ones that were personal Avim were either Avim for their own Madrega, they worked on the Messias Hashem, they worked their way up, and they became, it's an Indian to become a Navi just for yourself. You work on Prishas, the Hasidus, and all things, you become a Navi. That's an experience in Avedis Hashem. Not a requirement, but an experience. And then it also helped, you were able to give advice to a circle of people around you, and Tamitim, they would come provide, what's my Avedis Hashem, my personal Avedis Hashem, besides all those Shas and Paiskim, and where can I improve? That was done all the time. It's a tremendous luxury, which they held, then it was a necessity, which we don't have access to, part of Gullah's conditions. And Bali Dinim could come and say, we have a problem, we're working something out, we want to be Makabal, you also to tell us the direction. For an Avia, that's not unusual. The reason that calls it mishpat, is the unusual thing over here, is that actually, besides the advice, ask for a psak, they're allowed to be makabalar, even if she's not a kosher adayim. That's the other mahalach in Tesis. Yes? Just uh, to emphasize the point, I mean, it's years later, but uh, uh, Abadjah had 100 uh, in the case. Yes. We don't know who they were, but they Yes, yes. And it was crucial, though, he hide them, because... Yes. The Gemara says, the Gemara says, there are millions... You know, the millions in Avim, we have very few names. And Avadja risked his life to do that, even though you say, well, they weren't Avim needed, there wasn't the Horbin coming. I get it. Why do you have to risk your life? The answer is, first of all, the Gdele Hadar, in terms of uh, their Madrega. And number two, you need such a Mahalach to give over in terms of a Maseira. You need a Rebbe, B'nai Nevi'im. Not only means the madrega they were on, as in working on themselves for the Aveda, and it's the entire Messias Hashem, literally. You have to go through one by one, it's a lifetime of Aveda. You also need a Rebbe to be able to, to have the technique, so to speak, and the Mahalach of what to do with it, how to get there, what to do with it. So 
you always have an Enevim. You have people learning by Elisha. You see people learning Elisha learning by Leo. So you needed the Messiah. Well, he was the only Navi functioning. That comment, yeah, but that comment meant I'm the only Navi at large, if you'll call it. He was the only one functioning. Doesn't mean he didn't, didn't know they existed. Right, right. But it's the only Navi who was able to go and tell them what you're really supposed to tell them. And nobody else got, everybody else either got killed or, or didn't have that diplomatic immunity or the same amount of courage, not a time on them, as uh, Elio, certainly. Leo Pinchas, we understand that. So, but to be heard, you also have to be good at So we're gonna get to the talk is gonna be quoted in one moment. So we're gonna get to that. It's a good point. We're gonna get to that right now. Take a look at Rashi. So again, the post sounds like it's talking about Mamma is where she sat. Why would that be enough Gamina? So take a look at Rashi. Tachas ben Lafi Taguma Shel Yenison, which you were just mentioning. Rashi's usually giving Pshitosh Mikra, but he brings the Targum, but he thinks that has to be said for the Pasuk because it's a little unusual to give so many Marmachemis. Doesn't mean they weren't Simanamakamishivasa of where she was on the map, but that's not what they're here for. She had a lot of holdings, real estate holdings, and vineyards, and all sorts of production facilities for oil and the like. So according to this part, she was by and large sitting somewhere else, and she wasn't even here in this physical location. You can also say, upshot, that the physical location is not important, and these are telling you where holdings were. Ataris Shema, and her main city was Ataris. So, what do these other Marmachemists mean? Tachas Taimer, Tamarim Hayula Birichai. So, she had Tamarim. Now, Tamarim uh, don't mean that much to us because we buy occasionally on Tuvashvat, or maybe for a Shachiano fruit once in a while, but um, a date is a very uh, serious fruit in terms of the Bikush of the consumer and the production and the selling of it, if you can get a good yield. So she had a major operation in Yericha, which was Ira Tamarim, still called that, and she owned a lot of them. Karamim Barama, she had vineyards, also, obviously, Ariyamazer, very lucrative. Zaysim Bibikas Beiseel Shu Makam Shemen, also, tremendous production facility of the Zaysim for olive oil, still a very, very lucrative product. So Afa we're talking about already a, a crystal or a pottery making operation. So not only did she have holdings in various places, she was pretty diversified in her portfolio. Uh, we're talking about production of dates, wine, and then she's getting into the pottery glass, which is not a steerer. All our pottery is actually glazed. So Afa Chivar uh, can be, white sand can be uh, used in many different ways. And some say Afa Chivar is not referring to sand, it's referring to stay loving, which means she had crops. And she had tvua. And she used the tvua for the market share in that industry as well. So 
quite wealthy. The reason we have to know this is because she was Shofetis and she was able to get things done because she didn't have to come on to anybody and be afraid of anybody. And she was able to uh, run a government as limited as the government was compared to our real malucha and as ad hoc it might have been, she was able to get things done. And that's true of any Navi, a Navi generally, certainly a Navi that was giving Musr to the people was uh, an Ashir, and um, the king certainly was, for the same reason. And the Chiddush over here, so why is it pointed out by Dvair only? The answer is, it was a very unusual uh, matzav where the Shofetes, the person in charge, was a lady who normally was contributing an unbelievable thing to whatever the Nashim Sitkanis always bring to the table, which is half the success of Klai Yisrael, but she wasn't out there. Normally, here she had to do the job. For whatever reason, there was a vacuum there, and she did it uh, incredibly well, but she was able to do it because of her independence. And that's why it describes these whole things. Yes? <laughs> I knew somebody was going to ask that. Yeah, so um, that's a very, very good question. Uh, it's an excellent question, and that's why I keep hedging whenever I um, mention hedging with portfolios. So uh, I keep hedging the remarks. I mentioned that Barak and her were married. Uh, that's not Beferish yet, or anywhere, by the way. And many Beferishim do say that. We're going to yet get into whether everybody's masking to that or not. And if that's not true, then we wouldn't have Akasha. And if that was true, but they're not in the same place, that also wouldn't be Akasha, and we'll get to that. So we will have a Ferish Apostle coming up that will discuss that. Yeah. She, or she, well, that's what Elliot's mentioning. You could have had some sort of uh, prenup, not the prenup we were discussing uh, the last few months. The, uh, what, you, she doesn't really keep it. It's normally, and the payers go to the husband, and if the payers go to the husband, so all the dates that she's marketing went to the husband, because that's the payers, and the olives, and the tua, and the klicheris, okay, there, Shilas, what's the Karen, what's the, what's the payers, if it's sand, or if it's tua, that's the payers, so that wouldn't work. So you say you listed as Nixit San Basil, that's worse for her, because then he gets to use it, invest it, goes up, goes down, he guarantees the principal but still doesn't have use of it. So either way, that's not going to work. So that's a good question. And uh, it depends on how you hold them. If there was a relationship and what it was over here, but if they were married in the first place, it's not a fair Shaposek. Yes? Even if they were, it sounds like there was nothing wrong with that. Were, you can rent, land lease, can't own. No, you can't sell. I said land lease. Land lease is a land lease. That, that's what Yevil's all about. How did you envision Yevil going back? Going back to who? The answer is you can't buy anything. So, you're not selling it. It's a lease. That's what land lease is. Nothing wrong with that. They shouldn't sell it. They shouldn't sell it. There's nothing wrong with uh, you have a. Nobody sold things so, because uh, there was pride in ownership. I don't think there's an I hear what you're asking. I don't think there's an issue. I think you're allowed to, let's say you're from Shevet Yehuda and you want to go sit and learn, and 
instead of working hard in the field, you want to take uh, all your all your crop and um, retire, and you see the value you're going to have uh, x time the uh, the rent roll or the yield of this thing, and you want to make a 49-year lease. I think that's a great idea. Somebody else wants to work. She wasn't working hard in the field either. She purchased the land lease and then got workers to go on and um, do their thing, and there was a nice profit, and everybody was happy. Uh, but according to what you're suggesting, so I have to Dafka work in my field. Why can't I? Why can't I get somebody else to do it? So you say, so get, so hire a pilot for your own field. I don't have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why not? Uh, she was uh, masterminding the operation. Doesn't mean, uh, but you're correct. Yeah, they don't normally. Uh, it's also a shayla big is What we saw about Benet Safcha that you can't um, marry from a different shape. We don't want the things to get mixed up. Uh, how long did even that last for? And was there any understanding that you're supposed to first settle and figure out what you have before you even start leasing? I'm, I'm okay with that, that they, they probably did that for X amount of time, that everything should become clear before the dust settles. But afterwards, why can't you uh, set up an agreement like that? I, I, don't, I don't think that's an issue. So she had a lot of holdings, Baruch Hashem, yes. Yeah, <laughs> you guys remember all the shirim, all the sugyas. Yeah, the <laughs> I don't want to, you know, don't feed me, I'll take care of myself, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's, uh, remember, the warning over there is Machlech is Bishayim, if you say that, there might be no backseas and no one doing it, which could be dangerous, but it didn't, didn't hurt the very, I don't know if she made it a deal, because it sounds like this lasted her entire lifetime, Baruch Hashem. So, speaking of the relationship, I do want to see Peliades for a few minutes, but Elliot Pasik Vov will talk about it, so remind me next time we meet. So all of a sudden we introduce, if you didn't know the Medrashim, she sends a message to Barak Ben Avinayim. Send a message? First of all, it doesn't say, Bala, it doesn't mention the relationship. And sending a message, where is she sending a message? In the kitchen? In the living room? In the study? In the best medrash? Where is he? Where is he? Where is she? So I'll let you think about that as we turn to the Peleyayats. Yes, the question, well, I mentioned it. I didn't, didn't say it before. This is the passage I was referring to. I, I mentioned it ahead of time. Yeah. So Barashi says, as the Pashib Shad, Aishas Lapidus means the lady who made Lapidus. Barashi avoids that. So we don't, so far we don't have a Beferish Araya uh, that they were married, although many Beferishim agree that they were. Okay, we're talking about Hilchis and Inyani Beis Knesses, which is certainly for these times a good shtickle to spend time on. And not surprisingly, he has a lot to say. So thus far we're discussing Kedusha's Beis Knesses in terms of going and going early and being a Sarishanus and going with the Italis and Trillin and recognizing the Kedusha when you go in so that you have Yira of the Malkam. So page Nun Beis, let's go to the second paragraph. Kodim Shiakanis Labes Knesis. This is important, and a lot of people are not aware of the, this minig, and it, these psukim were, the original context is said to teach us Yiris HaRememus from Makam HaMikdush, and Beis Knesset, which is a mini Mikdush, and it's supposed to help us internalize this when we say it, and we remind ourselves every day. Kardim Shikans the Beis Knesset, Sarlito Rishos Ba'amiris HaPostik, Ani Baroiv Chastacha, as you're about to walk in, you say the Pasuk, Ani Berev Chastacha. A lot of people don't say it. It's in every sitter. 
A lot of people say it once they're in shul already for five, ten minutes. That'll late than never, but clearly the original intention was to say it before you come in as you're about to enter to show that you're entering a Makam Kaddish and to remind yourself that I'm really not worthy and I'm a nobody and I have the schus of coming into Hashem's house. That's a big thing and a huge opportunity and it has to be taken as such and not squandered. It has to be done with respect and all. So the Peliets already complains that their people don't know that and they're saying it, but they're saying it once they're inside. Say the Pesach and say it like you mean it, not half asleep, and understand that you're supposed to be nervous to go into the Melech Ram Venisa. Ram Venisa Ayin Venera. It would be nice if we think about this even once we're in the shul. And you're asking Rishus to go in, that you understand that you don't necessarily have the schus to come in, and you're asking Rishus to come in, and you understand you're only coming in. It's a tremendous ches of When you're out of the shul, locked out for a couple of months, you begin to understand this, but we shouldn't lose that sensitivity and... This Pesach is here for that purpose. And then he reminds you, you can't say a Pesach before Birchas HaTerah. That's an old Shiloh with Slichas in the morning. Slichas has said, there Bakasha, but there Pesukim in there. It's the place come debate. You have to say Pesach You should. Here you could argue, maybe it's a Havamina, Anibar Evchastacha is a Pesach, but I'm saying it to give me the Yiras Hamikdash and give me the feeling of the or, and I'm not saying it as a limud, maybe, but the Peleyayetz goes with the stand-up sock, that's just like Baslichus. You're saying a Pasuk, you should say Bichzatari before, which means you said it at home. You should say it at home anyway, because hopefully, sometimes you're struggling with the problem whenever you get up of thinking and learning right away before you even watch Negevasar, and you're walking around getting dressed, thinking and learning, and you're getting into the serious, serious Shailah Machalik Esachrenim, whether you have to say Bechzatar before you think and learning, like the Shita Sagro. Some people have told me that they don't really struggle with that. I'm not sure whether that was said with Derech Anivis or not. Um, usually you struggle with it because the Yitzhahar wants to get you into Shailahs. When you're in the base measures, you're thinking about something else. Uh, what you should have gotten dressed in. And when you're getting dressed, you're thinking and learning to start up with Chita Sagain, not Bemezid, of course. So it's good to say Bersatera right away because certainly if you're driving here and you get into your car, there should be a shear going on as soon as you turn on that ignition. And you say, I'm not talking, so I'm still thinking. That's worse because you're hearing. I'm not saying it's Shemekaina when you hear something that we said here in Shear 10 years ago, but it's louder than thinking. And one should say as soon as you can, as well as because the brachas, the old meaning was they said it in shul because they had amaratzim, they didn't have so chazman bimetzi them, and even though today we don't do that, it's still a meaning to say and say amen. But you went to the bathroom, say ashiyatza right away, you're washing negavasar, so you're not doing it right away by your bed, so do it again by the sink and wash and make a bracha. Makes sense to say it's at home, and if you say then you could say this pasuk on Ibra of chazdachom. And he alludes to this machlekes. And we'll read one more line. And this is all to get us into the right frame of mind to be able to keep the Yiras Hamikdash as we come in and use the shul.
and that always needs uh, chizik. Mitzvah Shem, we will continue the Shabbos after next.